but my heart beats wild for your endless praise every waking now I will seek your face I want you need you I love you Jesus heartbeats forever just to know you let go and throw my future into your hands I want you need you I love you Jesus my heartbeats forever just to know you let go and throw my future into your hands again can go ahead and be seated. I'm sitting today. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be. I just need, yeah. Well, no. How's it going? Good. No, we're, oh yeah, that is a good idea. You're right. I'll move. I'll take some feedback. Not a lot, though. All right, no. No, you know what? No, I'm not gonna. All right. How's it going, y'all? My name is Mitchell. Hi. Can, I, no, I, uh, uh, it's going good. can everybody say hi, Mitchell? Hi. There it is. Come on, you know better. All right, before we get started and grow together, uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then after I pray, I'm going to give each of you an opportunity to uh, pray for yourselves, pray for this time, pray for me. I need it. I'm very imperfect. So, yeah, I'm going to pray, and then I'll give you a chance. Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we have to spend with one another and with you this evening. Lord, I pray that we can learn how to rely more on you, that we can learn how to feel our convictions that you give us, and that we can learn to be in step with you through prayer. God, I pray that you'll speak through me tonight and that you'll open all of our hearts and minds. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Have you ever seen something, like a gadget or some like item that is just so cool and you were so enthralled by it when you first saw it that you just needed to buy it? It happened a lot during COVID. It happened quite a bit. Amazon, I probably saw record high numbers. Like, I'm talking like the Lululemon dupes that you saw on TikTok. I know they're a thing because I want them. Those little, uh, those bubble pads that you like, you press the poppets. 
We, no, we could not figure out what they were called. So thank you, Poppets. Or think about like on Saturday at 9 p.m., you remember, oh my goodness, I have one hour left for crumble until all the flavors are gone. So you check the app and you see that they have a birthday cake frosted cookie and you have an hour and you need to book it to crumble. Or if Hydroflask comes out with a limited edition print, those ones are good. Hearth and Hand releases a new line of fake plants. You gotta get them. We need them. We need them. Or maybe I just need it. But I say all this and am completely unable to empathize with you because I have never made a purchase out of impulse and then regretted it for the next six months that I made that purchase. I have never. I don't know, I don't know, how to, I don't know what it's like. I really don't. But we all, we, all, we all to some degree act without thinking. This is why Austin McDermott owns a Porsche. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> this, this is why fast fashion is an industry. This is, this is why consumerism is a thing, is because we love to make, we, we actually timed that, we talked about that earlier. Uh, but this is why like, all of these industries are industries, is because we love impulse decision-making. But my guy Nehemiah today is going to prove us why that is a horrible idea. I think we all know it, but we're going to look into why. And why followers of Jesus think before they act. So if you'll join me, we're going to open up our Bibles or phones to Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, we're going to rewind a little bit so we all know where we're at, so we're all on the same page. So grab your phone, grab your Bible, take a look. If you don't have one of either of those, good for you, and it's on the screen. Good for you to a phone. If you don't have a Bible, let's get you one. We're going to take a look at Nehemiah 2. We're starting in verse 5, and we're going to jump forward bit by bit until we get to verse 11. But verse 5, Nehemiah says, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah comes up to the king. king asks him what's going on. Nehemiah replies and says, The city is in ruins. Let me rebuild it. And so he just makes the ask. We talked about it last week. Verse 8 says, And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. Nehemiah makes a good argument. King says yes, and he's off. So now we are in our passage for today. Nehemiah is on his way to Jerusalem, and we are picking up at verse 11. Verse 11 says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Pretty interesting start right out the gate. Before Nehemiah enters Jerusalem, he runs into uh, these, some governors for the area, some people that are in charge, and he has to explain why he's there. He probably has to show his papers to just make sure everything's, everything's kosher, pun intended. It's kind of like Dora when she needed to cross the bridge and had to go past the troll. You have to, you have to prove that you are, I think you have to say a rhyme, and you have to make sure that you're, you're good to go. I'm pretty sure it was a rhyme. But nonetheless, he runs into these people, he runs into these governors, and in verse 10... We find out that their names are Sanbalat and Tobiah. I want you to remember these names. 
But we can assume when Nehemiah is talking to them, he's pretty vague about why he's entering Jerusalem. He's not super clear. He just kind of says that he's allowed to go. Because as we just read, he said that he has not told anyone what he is doing in Jerusalem. And he repeats that a number of times. But even Sanballat and Tobiah, these governors, they don't know why Nehemiah is there. They just know that he has been given authority to come there by the king. But honestly, I don't know about you, but if I had just spent four months praying and fasting and I just made up this plan of an argument uh, of why this needs to happen and I was approved I, and I got the thumbs up and everything and I got the good to go, I would be starting as fast as I could. I wouldn't even think about any of the logistics about this. I would just try to hit the ground running because I'm stoked that this actually happened. But he passes by the governors and then waits. We just read he waits three days before he does anything. And he doesn't even stop there. So let's keep reading. In verse 13, Nehemiah writes, By night I went out through the valley gate, toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount, or the animal, donkey, horse that he was on, for my mounts to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. So at the end there, Nehemiah reinforces that he has not told anyone what's going on. But what the heck is he doing? He's waking up in the middle of the night. He'd set an alarm or something, and he's just going for a stroll around the city. You know, just how normal people walk around their city in the middle of the night, just looking at walls in the middle of the night. It is safe to assume that this is a completely covert mission. He's still refusing to tell anybody what he's doing, and he's just scouting out the walls in the middle of the night. When I read this, I just think, dude, you are literally just going to build a wall. Get over it. That was a pun. <laughs> but get over it. Yeah, there it is. But get over it. It's not that big of a deal. Like, I, I, it doesn't make much sense why Nehemiah is trying to be all sleuthy about it. But when I think about it, it starts to actually make sense. Imagine if, if you go with me on this scenario here, the President of the United States goes up to the Coast Salish people. The Coast Salish people are the uh, Native American people who were here before Seattle was Seattle, fun fact. But the, the President of the United States went to the Salish people and said, hey, you can have all of Seattle back. But then didn't tell anybody about it. And the Coast, Coast Salish tribe just walked into Seattle and they started building. Just, they just built a wall. There would be some issues with this. Some people would get very upset. And the issues would, are going to come up next week. We're going to talk about them. But Nehemiah wants to go and measure everything out before he gets to work. He wants to do all of these things. He wants to take notes, figure out what he needs to do without obstruction. 
Nehemiah has spent so much time praying and planning for this that instead of getting ahead of himself, getting angsty, he slows down and plans. He shows us a great example of thinking before acting. We see this idea backed up in Matthew 10 when Jesus actually sends the disciples out on their first missionary journey. He's sending them off, and as, he, as he's sending them, he tells them to be as shrewd or as wise as snakes and yet as innocent as doves. He's telling them, be smart about everything you do. Think before you act, even if you are acting in a way that you believe that God has called you. And we see why next week, because it is going down. But Nehemiah is prepared. He's spent time thinking about all of this. But let's see what happens when Nehemiah decides to start to get, start to get everybody together. He lets the news get out a little bit. If we look in verse 17, we can see what happens. Nehemiah writes, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. We are good to go. We got the thumbs up. Okay, we'll recap. Nehemiah has scouted the wall. He's seen the horrible condition that it's in, and he literally cannot get through a doorway on his horse because it is that bad. And he's like, all right, let's start. Let's reclaim Seattle. Let's do it. This is pretty crazy. He gets everybody together. He tells them this great story about God working. It seems pretty quick. I'm assuming it was a little bit longer. And he wins them all over. He gets them. Wins them all over, and they're going to start helping him build. But it is not initially that easy. And we see Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, these governors, they step in, and it's their time to shine. Let's look at verse 19. It says, When... But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, heard about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? So we see these people, and they start, they start mocking him. They're the same officials that Nehemiah came across when he was first entering the area, uh, but they're kind of finding out what's going on. They're finding out what he's doing they now know why he's there. And they start mocking him. And this isn't like school bullying, mocking him. They're not like giving him a swirly in the fountain gate. But these are, these are government officials. They are looking at Nehemiah and they are ridiculing him. He has some protection with the king, but there's not a whole ton of accountability. They could accidentally kill him and, you know, oh, we just tripped and stabbed him. You know, it, it happens. He has, he has a little bit of protection, but not a ton. He's pretty much just allowed to be there, but, if, but they have a lot of power. They start mocking him. But I, I get it. People would mock for sure. I absolutely get it. I'd probably mock Nehemiah too if I was in their position. What he is doing is absolutely crazy. He is an exile in this land, and he just waltzes in saying he's going to rebuild it the way that he wants to. But... He has something that Sanballat, that Tobiah, Geshem, anybody else who mocked him doesn't have. 
and it's not just a letter from the king. He has an outstanding confidence in God. You see, Nehemiah here doesn't really care what people say. He understands the danger that he's in, and yet he's ready to rebuild this wall because God has put it on his heart. Nehemiah does not care what people think. He stands up to the haters. He has a clear idea from God about what he's going to do, and it's, he, has a, he has such a clear idea because he got it from God, because he spent so much time in prayer and petition and fasting. And so he pursues this idea. And this is one of the biggest lessons that we can learn from Nehemiah's experience, that we will almost always face some sort of persecution when we are following God's will. And we will almost always be mocked for doing these things. We see this in 2 Corinthians 4, hundreds and hundreds of years later. Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church. He tells them, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That is so profound. That sounds like a halftime speech. But Paul is writing this and it's, we, we know that it is truth. We know, or with Noah's Ark, uh, church tradition tells us that he was mocked as he was building the Ark. Evan Almighty tells us that as well. There's a friend of mine here at ASM who, at her school, told people about Jesus and then immediately lost all of her friends because they associated her with everything that Christians have done wrong in the past. And I'm not saying any of these things to scare you off. I'm just saying it so that you can make the active decision to live according to God's will. There are a lot of not amazing things, if, you have not, if you've realized this by now, if, about living in Seattle. There's, there's, some, there's some okay things, not, some not okay things. But one of the things I do love is that as followers of Jesus in Seattle, we actually need to decide if we're going to follow Jesus. In, in areas like the South or where there's just more uh, culture of Christianity, you can kind of be a Christian, but not really be a Christian. But here, one of the things I love is that we need to make an active decision to live according to God's will. Because as followers of Jesus, with a firm foundation, we must be intentional. And that's why thinking before you act comes into play. If Nehemiah hadn't thought or prayed or spent time planning what he was going to do, at the first whiff of danger, he could have just headed back to cupbearing for Artaxerxes. But he didn't. For me, I honestly have a huge conviction when it comes to this. And not necessarily because I feel like I'll turn away from conviction or persecution. I'm pretty stubborn with that. But because there are times where I don't even know if I'm giving God enough of my attention to realize if he's calling me to do something. And that's what I want to challenge us all with. 
Are you even giving God enough of your attention that you'd feel a conviction to do something that he's calling you to do, like Nehemiah did here? Nehemiah heard that his ancestors were being disrespected, his city was in ruins, and he, it was put on his heart to do something about it. Maybe it's time that you'd actually schedule and commit to spending time with God. Maybe it's time that you need to ask for forgiveness because you've just been trying to control your life. Following Jesus has just been an adjective, not a, an adjective, a descriptor of who you are and not everything of who you are. For me, how it works is I'll have a few good days. I'll do my Bible reading well, I'll pray well. And I'll be in a good mood. Things are great. Things are going well. But then the next day, I'll wake up and realize, you know, I've been having a few good days. I'm just gonna, I just want to get started. And I'll neglect that, that time that I've scheduled with God. And then it'll go on. And it'll keep repeating until I realize a couple weeks later that I am just going downhill fast. I'm in just a horrible mood because I've now been trying to control my life. I've been trying to put things on my heart that I want on my heart. I haven't been allowing any room for God to step in or for people to speak into my life. I would realize at that point that I've now lost all this time to pray, to, to worship. I've lost all this time of letting him tell me how I'm supposed to live, all because I thought I could do it on my own. So, I'm going to invite the worship team back on up. And as they come up, I want you to think about what it would be like if you had the conviction that Nehemiah has. If God put something on your heart and it was, if God was weighing on you to do something, would you follow through? I want you to think about what in your life you have this sort of conviction for. And Ask yourself if it's even Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have. And I thank you just for the wonder that your word is to us. How amazing and beautiful it is. Thank you for revealing everything to us in scripture. And thank you for your son that you can point back to these passages in the Old Testament. We can see you in them. I pray as we continue this time of worship that you will weigh on our hearts and that we can learn to love you more. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand up and uh, <clears throat> come on in. Remember that song, I'm Trading My Sorrows? No? I'm, okay. It's from the 90s, so maybe most of you don't remember it because you weren't a Alive. <laughs> it's falling from the clouds, strange and lovely sounds. 